1: We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a series of author-hosted podcasts uh, distributing literary content to a worldwide audience. I'm your host, Landis Wade, a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here. Very quickly, before we get to the uninterrupted interview today, a few quick words about some of the benefits uh, for our listeners. Number one, we have show notes uh, for every episode uh, with images, links, and information about our authors at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And number two, if you're into audiobooks, uh, we have a relationship with Libro.fm, which supports indie bookstores. If you sign up with Libro to get your audiobooks and use the promo code Charlotte Reader, you'll get an extra audiobook free. Number three, if you go to charlottereaderspodcast.com or my personal website, landisway.com, and you sign up for the book report, you're going to get it every other Tuesday. And here's what you'll get. Recommended readings, author interviews and videos, reading and writing tips, doses of inspiration, a free ebook by yours truly, and more. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And finally, we've got a lot of great content that we put out on our exclusive Patreon channel. If you like what we do here, uh, that is our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, and you'd like to help us uh, defray the costs of this project, you can jump over to Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, and you can tap into all the great extra content we've got that's curated by our authors and me about uh, their writing lives and the craft and business of writing and other things, too. But enough with the prologue, let's get to the uninterrupted story of our guest and the one they've written. In today's episode, we visit with award-winning writer Tara Lush, author of Grounds for Murder, the first in a new series of cozy coffee shop mysteries. After Lena Lewis's talented but arrogant Milanese barista quits abruptly before the Sunshine State Barista Championship, her cafe's chances of winning the contest are tamped down. After a public argument with Fabrizio Fab Bellucci, her former barista is found dead behind her shop, and she is the primary suspect. Elaine Veets, the award winning author of the Dead End Job Mysteries, had this to say about this book Tara Lush brews a fun Florida mystery topped with a sweet, frothy romance. Enjoy this blend of sunshine and quirky characters. Tara, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you said y'all were having a. A real cold spurt down there. It might be in the 50s or something, right?
0: I have my furry boots on and my puffy jacket, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm talking to you. You're you're where in Florida at the moment?
0: St. Petersburg on the Gulf Coast.
1: Okay. Well, up here in North Carolina, it's a little bit chillier today. But, uh, you know, your definition of cold and our definition of cold are two different things.
0: That's right. As long as it doesn't (laughs) snow, it's all good.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations on the book. It's a fun little mystery set on the Florida coast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, Well done.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: A little bit about you. uh, Before we get started into the book, you've been a reporter for the Associated Press. You won the George C. Polk Award for Environmental Journalism. And in this book, Grounds for Murder, we're going to talk about the title in a little bit, which I love too, by the way. In this book, Grounds for Murder, there is a main character who is a recently terminated journalist, and she's now working in a coffee shop on a Florida island. Was this some kind of secret desire of yours, Tara?
0: <laughs> well, I, it, it may be a reality in the future for any journalist. So I just kind of, I thought about it that way, but I, you know, pre-pandemic, I worked a lot in, it, both for journalism and for my fiction out of coffee shops. So it was, it was definitely inspired by that.
1: Yeah, so as you're sitting there working on all those true crime cases that you're reporting on, you're in a coffee shop and so maybe your mind then wanders to hey i wonder if there could be maybe a little cozy mystery here
0: that's exactly it i've long wanted to write crime fiction um in fact when i initially thought about writing a book i thought about writing uh true crime actually but it seemed a little too close to home. And, I, you know, over the years, 20 years in Florida journalism, you cover a lot of crime, you cover a lot of really dark things. So I didn't want to write anything super dark. And so eventually I landed on Cozy Mystery because it did have that element of happy ever after that I do love.
1: Yeah, and I'll do a little teaser here now for listeners. listeners. Uh, when we're done here today, we're going to jump over, Tara and R, to our Patreon channel. And we're going to do a deeper dive into how a journalist – writes romance first, and then cozy mystery second, and then some of the differences between the craft in those two genres. So stay tuned for that. Um, Okay, well, why the coffee connection, Tara?
0: Um, Well, one, as a journalist and as a fiction writer, I love coffee. I mean, it's just a fact. Coffee is the lifeblood of really life. And, um, and actually, I did actually conceive this book when I was not in Florida, actually, I was on a trip to Quebec City. And I was sitting in this wonderful cafe and thinking about writing a mystery. And I was just looking around and thought, well, what if it was set in a really cute, really cozy coffee shop in Florida, like the most idyllic coffee shop you could think of a block from the beach. And then I just sort of spun the story out from there.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I got the book in the mail from you and I looked at the title Grounds for Murder, and I said, that's clever. You know, did that come to you right away? Was that something that uh, came while you were writing or what?
0: Um, it, I think it did late in the process. Um, it, I, It's really hard to title books. So I almost think of the title. Usually with my books, I think of the titles really late in the process. So I kind of always have a, sort of a one word working title but then late in the process, it came to me.
1: Yeah. When you finally found it, did you go, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah.
0: Right. And I also brainstormed with my publisher other titles in the series. So there's a bunch of other punny crime and coffee related titles to come.
1: And what does that talk about that a second? Because that is something that's kind of unique to the cozy, uh, mystery world coming up with these, as you say, punny titles, uh, Is that part of the fun too?
0: Oh, it's completely part of the fun. Actually, one of the first things that one of the things that I did once I kind of got the story down in my mind and with the second book as well, is that I really thought about um, the blurb also, you know, the back cover blurb and incorporating the puns in that. And that was super fun doing that.
1: That's great. Well, you you talk um, about uh, this being a tropical cozy. I was reading an article you'd written about that. And uh, t- talk about that. What is a tropical cozy in your mind?
0: Well, in my mind, it's set in Florida or the Caribbean. There are obviously, you know, um, the TV show Death in Paradise comes to mind, actually, which is a very cozy TV show. It's a British TV show, but it's a really cozy mystery type of storyline. Um, Elaine veets she writes some. Uh, Sherry Harris just wrote a book called... Um, which has the best title, From Beer to Eternity, which I love. <laughs> and, and that's on the Florida panhandle. And so sort of um, cozy mysteries, I think we think of cozy mysteries as quaint New England villages or quaint British villages. And cozy mysteries in Florida are, you know, set on the beach, set in tropical locations. There's heat, humidity, the Florida man, the sketchiness of Florida, the craziness of Florida. And you've also got, um, you know, the crime element and plus, but there's tropical cozy. There's there's cozy elements of, of warmth and happiness and all of those things that you love, people love about cozies. The the atmosphere and the setting is cozy, a place you'd want to visit.
1: You got this cozy environment. Uh, it's, it's a tropical cozy, but that's not what you've been doing most of your life. You've been involved in uh, being a journalist and, and I'm just wondering how hard is it for you to turn off your journalism you know brain and sit down to to pick up your pen or your keyboard and turn it into the cozy brain
0: um it's pretty it, it's pretty hard i mean journalism is the who what where when why and when you write a book you obviously have to do a lot of color you have to do a lot of characterization you have to go deeper so when i write generally i write the bare bones of a story the the you know, the plot, the action, the dialogue, and then I'll go back and edit and really try to flesh it out because that I've found doesn't come as easy to me um, because I'm just writing the who, what, where, when, why. So that's been a real learning process.
1: That sounds familiar to me. I'm I'm that same way being a recovering trial lawyer. I'm writing a book now and I find myself uh, deep in the plot, deep in the dialogue, and I'm looking back at it. I'm going, I'm going to go back and fix some of this and add some color to it.
0: Right. That's the hardest part. And how to adding the emotion that that's something that I've, I learned from romance writing, but that, but adding emotion is, is not easy. You know, when you're used to writing just the facts.
1: Just the facts, ma'am. Okay. Well, the book's gotten a lot of great praise. Uh, One, one, one publishers weekly talks about it. uh, Portending future fun for readers. The series, New York journal of books says a good read for a chilly weekend indoors. Uh, another, another one's a compelling read. You have Peg Cochran. You'll say today talks about it being a wonderful series debut. She says, silky smooth blend of humor, mystery, and romance. Is that what you're trying to do? Kind of blend this idea of, rom- cause you came from this romance writing world. And as I'm reading this book, I can see some of that in here. It's not the kind of romance probably you've been writing, before, but you're no. weaving, you're <laughs> weave, right, right, right. You're weaving different audience, different ratings on this book, right?
0: Very much so. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that for for your Patreon channel, but yeah. yes. Um, I mean, for your readers that aren't familiar with Cozy's, cozy mysteries have no sex, no swearing, and no gore. And not that I have ever written a lot of gore, but certainly in my day job, I have, and so I had to rein it in and really. Um, tone it down in edits in
1: some places. Okay. I'm looking at the book cover. Uh, we talked about the book title and uh, the cover. It has that tropical look to it um, you, where you play. I mean, obviously authors don't always get a, a say in their covers unless they're uh, independently published and you have been independently published in the past, but now you've got a publisher what do you think of the, talk, of, of the book cover?
0: Oh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm in love with the book cover. It's just, yeah. it's everything. And the best part, of course, is Stanley, the dog, the, the puppy, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. He, and just the expression. And I will say that just this week, I got book two, the cover of book two, the drafted cover of book two. And Stanley is a little bigger because he's a little more grown in book two. And he still has the same perfect expression. It's, it's just wonderful. It's really wonderful.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, let's do uh, a little bit of an overview of the book here before you do a reading, which we do on the podcast, and then we'll dive deeper after that. But uh, we start out with a uh, a protagonist here. Um, she has lost her job at uh, the big newspaper in Miami, I believe it is. And she's had to come home, she, you know, sort of tail between her legs. Uh, she's She's thought she's going to have this big career, but now she's having to work out of her parents coffee shop it's sort of like you're putting the protagonist on their back early as 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 any good author does (laughs) does, right so they have to work their way out of it and uh you know she's in this little place and she's got this uh barista whose name i probably butchered as i was uh doing the opening tell us his name
0: his name is fabrizio fab bellucci
1: yeah you said your husband's italian is that right that's right yeah yeah Okay, so you're you're taking some of that and weaving it into the book here. Did you did you tell him you killed him off early in the book?
0: <laughs> I did, but I made up for it because in my first romance, the the hero was Italian, so oh, he's okay. already gotten his 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 sexy counterpart and
1: you, you in made fiction. him out yeah, you, know, you made him out to be one of these lovable lovers, and then you killed him off in the
0: <laughs> then then Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, so anyway, Fab, whose nickname I'll go with because it's harder easier for me than the than the. Doing it the Italian way, he's found dead early in the book um, under a palm tree in an alley behind Lena's cafe. Lena is the protagonist, uh, and she becomes one of the prime suspects. And of course, you've uh, worked into this mystery, which is set in a coffee shop. You got the handsome police chief who comes by to drink coffee. You've got uh, jilted lovers, a shrimp boat captain, a surfer with ties to the mob, and they're all suspects, right?
0: They're all suspects. And then on top of that, her horrible ex-husband comes back to sniff around.
1: Yeah, and tell us about the dad. I laughed when I was reading about the father. He reminded me of some of these sitcoms where the dad has just kind of gone off the rail, you know?
0: Actually, he is, he's named after my actual father, and he, uh, he's loosely based on my actual father.
1: Well, tell us about him. He's kind of a stoned hippie dad, right?
0: He, he's an old hippie. Um, In fact, my dad just sent me a photo. He's been in lockdown and he just sent me a photo of his ponytail the other day. Um, So yeah, he's an old hippie from the sixties and he's super into yoga and he's into new age stuff. And he's a widow in the book. He's a widower. And he, he thinks that Lana needs to calm down and heal herself with some you know, chakra healing and some yoga and Lana's very much not that person. So there's a little bit of tension there, but he's also sort of the comic. He's one of the, you know, her, her comic counterparts or, you know, sidekicks in the book.
1: Yeah. He reminded me a little bit. There was this movie once called failure to launch. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey was in it and, and and the father was Terry Bradshaw when they finally got the kid out of the house he turned one of his rooms into his naked room. You know, <laughs> well, kind of reminded me of this. Uh, you know, Stanley, exactly. Stanley here. Yep. Um, okay, so we got this scandal. We got this great setting. It's tropical. Uh, we got these uh, kind of quirky, eccentric uh, characters. But with all mysteries, we have a murder, and this might be a good place for you to, uh, you know, do a little reading. You want to set this up and tell us, uh, you know, where Lena has been and uh, where she's coming back from, and. What's sort of going on? Because she sort of gets knocked on her back twice. She's lost her job. Uh, she's had to move back home. And then Fabe, you know, he, he bolts on her, right?
0: Right, right. He She comes back home she's lost her job. She's divorced and she's trying to get the cafe. She's really trying to make the cafe a success because she wants something to be successful in her life. So she's hoping that this barista championship and because she knows she has a good barista and a popular barista who likes to pose shirtless on Instagram, you know, with his coffee. And so, but then he at the very last minute goes to work for her competition across, you know, across the small town. And then she also, to rub salt into her wounds, She also has to go to Miami because she's up for an award for her journalism, which she was laid off because that's how journalism is today. You can be up for an award, but still be laid off. So she goes to Miami, sees her ex-husband with his new flame, gets drinks too much, is hungover. And so then she comes back to the island because she has to open the cafe at, you know, 630 in the morning. And so yeah. that's yeah, where but- we are.
1: And before that she had actually when Fabe left her early in the book had gone to try to find out why he left and he's at the, he's working at a a different coffee shop, a competitor that's run by you know a woman that he's now supposedly a girl anyway she feels jilted in all different kinds of ways um, and you know the Championships come. I love how you how you make the championship as if it's sort of a life or death situation. You know, if you don't <laughs> win, is, right. if you don't win this little, cha- and this is where they actually pour coffee and make lattes, and who make can make pretty the latt- lattes? Make pretty lattes. So you know, actually be- losing that is going to be the end end of the world for her, right. So right. she's she's lost fabe. He's he's a great one, and so here we are. So pick it up whenever you're ready.
0: Great. I pulled into sleepy downtown Devil's Beach at five minutes to six, my mind churning at the idea of hiring and training a new barista. For a split second, I thought of driving to my house. It had been my childhood home, but now it was only me since dad lived on the beach and parking there. No, I was running too late. Best to go right to the shop and get ready for the crush of caffeine addicts. I parked in the cafe's one spot in the alley. Today was unusually foggy, which sometimes happened when the humidity and rain descended on the island. I squinted to see in the gray dawn light and killed the engine. What was that on the far side of the alley? It had the shape of a pile of clothes, but that didn't make sense. There were no clothing stores on the block. Leaning forward in my seat, I studied the form. It was like something I'd only seen on the cop beat in Miami. A body. No, that couldn't be. Or could it? There were a few homeless people on Devil's Beach, so maybe that was it. Could it be Dale, the older homeless guy who lived in the park downtown? Perhaps he'd suffered a heart attack. He'd told me about some health problems recently. Oh no, I hoped it wasn't him. Dale was a veteran who adored sunsets, the beach, and tall boys of cheap beer. He'd had a difficult life since Vietnam, and I had a soft spot for him. I often gave him unsold pastries and free coffee. I hurried out of the car and slammed the door. With every step closer, my heartbeat grew faster. The person was curled almost in a fetal position, back facing me, clad in khaki pants and a black t-shirt. Obviously, a man from the muscular body and short, dark hair, and way younger than Dale. Maybe it was a wayward tourist who'd passed out after partying at a local bar. I was used to drunks in the alley, but usually during the island's pirate fest in February. I kept a wide berth as I circled to the man's front so I could get a better view. My hand flew to my throat, and I gasped in horror. Even in death, Fabrizio Fab Bellucci couldn't wipe the smirk from his face.
1: (laughs) Okay. Poor old Fab, yeah. He's not going to be able to participate now in the barista contest, and uh, he's not going to be able to work for the competition. And now suddenly, because of where he's found and uh, the fact that she made a spectacle of herself in front of him um, and called him names and everything, they think maybe she had something to do with it.
0: Yes, and she was also conveniently not on the island or not seen on the island that night, but he died.
1: Right. And she also had been drinking because she was, you know, having to go back uh, and prostrate herself there when she wasn't actually working uh, and, she, and she doesn't get the award. And her ex-husband is there doing his thing at that award ceremony. So she drank a lot and she really can't account <laughs> too much for her where, for right. whereabouts. Exactly. Right? Exactly. T- talk about Noah, because, you know, we, we talk about the fact this is not, you know, there's no sex. There's no real romance, but there is kind of this, uh, you know, little <clears throat> little tension here. I guess uh, he, it, I think he's the uh, the police chief that uh, has sort of been, uh, you know, in conversation, so to speak, with the protagonist.
0: Yeah. So Noah is also Noah's a newcomer on the island. He's he's only recently arrived as the new police chief, and his backstory is that he used to work at the Tampa Police Department. Um, he was um, his Father and grandfather. He's a Cuban-American from way back from when Cubans came to Tampa at the turn of the last century. And so his family, they were kind of a legacy of uh, a police family in Tampa. And he decided that he wanted to get out of big city policing and go to a small department. And so he arrives in Devil's Beach and he goes to Lana's shop and he and Lana have a little, Lana's returned. And so they have a little flirtation. Um, And he, but You know, he still has that big city skepticism um, and obviously doesn't want Lana, who is not an investigator at all, uh, snooping around in the crime scenes. And so I wanted the two of them to have a a real slow burn relationship over the course of the series. So that's why everything goes really slow in the first book and even in the second book. The second book, things heat up a little more, but we'll see the progression of their relationship throughout the entire series.
1: So I take it she's going to stay on the island in her second book?
0: At, for the time being, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: For the time being, okay. Well, so, yeah, Noah, he's, um, as you said, a you know, big city cop come come to the small town um, and the flirtation early on. But now I'm looking on page 52 and things have changed after the body's been discovered. And here's a little scene. Noah trained his dark eyes on me. It was as if he was studying me, sizing me up, probably inside my brain. Normally when we stare at each other, I felt electric shocks of lust. That's probably the closest you can get in a, in a cozy yes. mystery. And then it says, today his gaze made me feel a touch uneasy, as if I'd done something wrong, which was ridiculous because I hadn't. So there you go. So this flirtation is now turned into suspicion, right?
0: Yes, yes. And I will say that there are some, there are definitely, there's definitely a group of cozy readers who don't want as much romance or attraction in their cozies and certainly there's a whole other group of cozy readers who do um so my cozy at least this series will be probably a little heavier on the romance than maybe some others because that's what i gravitate to i know there are some readers who love it some readers don't love it as much this particular series does have you know definitely an undercurrent of of desire in it between the two characters
1: Mm. talk a little bit more about the setting uh you you know you you're You live in Florida. You've been reporting from Florida. You're writing this. Did you say it's on the Gulf Coast? Is that where this is?
0: Yes, it's based on... This story is really... um... Devil's Beach is really a, it's it's a fictional island. It doesn't exist, obviously, but it's really based loosely on Sanibel Island, which Mm -hmm. is off of, it's near Fort Myers in the Gulf. Um, It's also a little bit like Treasure Island, near where I live, Treasure Island, St. Pete Beach, those, you know, those sort of quirky barrier islands. Um, And also it's a little bit like where I live in St. Petersburg, which is a really um, sort of Quirky. St. Pete is a, a big city, obviously, but there's a quirky downtown core to it that I had in my mind when I thought of Devil's Beach. Hmm.
1: Sanibel I hadn't been there, but I've heard it, it can be a bit pricey. On, on Is this is this beach more accessible? Devil's Beach here? Yes,
0: it is. It, I, I, I like to think of it as a place where it maybe it was a, a, a one time sort of hippie enclave that's kind of becoming more and more hip and more. Um, I think that may be something I'll explore in later books. Um sort of the disparity between sort of old Florida and the gentrification of new developed Florida.
1: Hmm. Well, they say, you know, you ought to write the books you like to read. And it sounds like you're writing the scene that you'd like to visit. Right? I do.
0: Absolutely. I love the beach. I love going to Santa is one of my favorite places. And we, in fact, we have a, we're renting a beach condo next, next month, in fact.
1: Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, writing life. We're going to do more when we get over to Patron, but just just a little bit here. Uh, You um, coming from journalism to uh, sort of the romance, and then to the to the cozy mystery. You've already talked a little bit about that, but I'd like to find out, you know, why, given you know the fact that you write who, what, when, where, and why on a regular basis for your day job, you wanted to get into writing fiction.
0: Gosh, I think it was really because I wanted to write something that ended happily. Um, a, A lot of what I write for my day job, especially now, obviously the last year or so. But even before, um, I've been writing fiction for six and a half years now. Um, but prior to writing fiction, I was covering, you know, mass shootings, executions, murders. I've covered really anything that's really horrible in Florida, You've pr- I've probably had a hand in. So I really wanted to write a world um, that ended happily and that, that people, you know, ended on a good note, because so many times it doesn't in real life.
1: Yeah, looking at your bio, you talk about you write about crime, natural disasters, politics, and alligators. So tell, tell me about the alligator
0: articles. <laughs> oh, I just I've been a reporter in Florida for 20 years. I think my first alligator article was 20 years ago. And it was, you know, an alligator under somebody's car. Um, In suburban Florida, Um, you know, I've written about alligators taking people's arms off eating dogs my favorite alligator There's one at a golf course down in near Bradenton and he's he's an enormous alligator and sometimes people will spot him and you'll see these incredible photos on social media He looks like a dinosaur and I love him. I just he's so entertaining. So that's my favorite alligator He hasn't eaten anybody yet. So he's my favorite (laughs)
1: That's good I'm glad. Well, don't get too close. They can be qu- they can be quick, uh, quicker than you think. Um, so, you're still uh, an active journalist, right? I mean, you're and you're and you're writing too. How do you balance that?
0: It's hard. I mean, it it's and it's just getting harder. It's hard with the pandemic. It's gotten really hard because obviously most of my time now is spent written spent writing about COVID. Actually, I write a lot about COVID in Florida, which is obviously a, a big deal. Um, so I try to carve out about an hour a day for my fiction right now. I'm actually in edits on a romance novel. Um, and I'm also in edits on book two of this, of the, of the coffee series. So I'm, I'm trying to really, I'm just focused on edits at the moment. I'm not, I'm not even writing right now because I just don't have the time or the
1: bandwidth. Yeah. Time is precious. You know, you got to get up and get those words on paper. Um, you have also uh, been published traditionally and independently, correct?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, well, traditionally only for mystery.
1: For mystery. Mm-hmm. But you're still writing in the romance area where you're doing uh, publishing it independently, right?
0: Um, yes and no. I do something sort of unusual with romance. I, 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 saw, I was traditionally published in romance and then I self-published. And now all of my books are on a platform called Wattpad. Um, and I'm part of the Wattpad paid program. I don't know if you're familiar with Wattpad, but it's, uh, it, 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 has like 80 million users a month. It's, it's kind of a serial novel platform, but it's more than that. Um, it's based out of Toronto. It's basically a large platform for reading books. And it started, it was started with roots and fan fiction, but I don't write fan fiction. Um. So all of my romance is there. Uh, It's a really amazing way to get your work out to widespread people across the world. Um, And they also have, uh, they also pitch uh, certain books to TV and movie studios. The movie After, uh, The Kissing Booth, um, Light as a Feather. Those are three movies that came from Wattpad Books. So I'm kind of focused there as opposed to self-publishing at the moment.
1: So is that one of those... uh... Platforms kind of like in the audiobook world, where people pay a fee to join, and they can read so many books or something, and you you get kind of a percentage pool of of what comes out of that.
0: Um, sort of, but not really. Um, it's people will pay, but they'll either pay for the entire book or they'll pay by the chapter.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pay by the chapter.
0: Well, it's it's very similar to. There's a lot of, especially in romance. There's a whole lot of um, serial fiction apps. And that that the rise of serial fiction apps, people are making a lot of money. I, I was on a different serial fiction app called Radish, and I actually made a lot with one of my indie books there. Um, in fact, the book that I was a finalist for the RWA's Rita Awards was on that serial fiction app. Um, I think that's really the future of reading in many ways.
1: That's that's interesting. See, I, I learned so much interviewing. This is my cheap way of getting an MFA. I just interview all you authors. and. <laughs> learn learn all these new facts Exactly. Um, yeah because and you probably being on those platforms have to think about a good way to end every chapter right because you want to hook hook them to go to the next chapter
0: yes absolutely cliffhangers are a huge deal and you'll you can see that even in grounds for murder i i end each chapter on a fairly heavy cliffhanger
1: yeah that's fun I, i noticed that as i was reading it well um tara what do you hope that uh Readers are going to take away from your book. Uh, what kind of experience are you looking for them to have?
0: Well, I'm actually hopeful that people will read it and and have a real um, cozy, happy experience. I know it's about murder and it's murder is not happy, but I'm hoping that people will read it and they'll have an escape from what's going on in our world today because this is a very um, cozy, gentle, funny, uh, just... It's like brain candy. I just want people to feel good after they've read it and feel like they've had an, a break from reality. That's really my hope.
1: That's great. I've got one more question before I do. I want to remind listeners that uh, Tara and I are going to jump over here to Patreon. That's uh, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. is For as little as $5 a month, uh, you can help us uh, with this podcast and get some great content, some deeper dives with the authors. And the deeper dive we're going to do is going to be about uh, Tara's path in writing uh, both romance and cozy mystery, and then also talking about the differences between uh, writing those two genres. So uh, jump over there and check it out. Uh, Tara, one last question. If you could tell your younger fiction writing self something valuable, had she known it at the time that might have helped her, what would it be?
0: Uh, To take the plunge and write, earlier and write sooner. I wanted to write a book when I was, I wanted to write a romance novel when I was in my twenties and I didn't dare to. And I wish I could go back and tell my younger self to just go for it.
1: That's great. I love that. Go for it. Because uh, it's never too late to write. I didn't write my first one until I was 55. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, hey, you know, people say, I'm too old to do this. Well, how old are you going to be in two or three years when you finished uh, learning how to do it? Right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. You're never (laughs) too old.
1: Never too old. Well, Tara, thanks so much for uh, being a part of uh, Charlotte Readers Podcast. There'll be information listeners in the show notes uh, about Tara. You can check that out at charlottereaderspodcast.com, her links, uh, the cover of the book, which is beautiful. You can see that too. And uh, Tara, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, that's it for today another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on.
0: If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land.
1: And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter.
0: You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening.
1: We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.
0: Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to Queen City